Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. When we say this is a special edition of The Advertising Show, we do indeed mean that. Uh, thus, uh, the fact that we have George Lois with us once again here on The Advertising Show. He's talking about a brand new book that he has coming out. We wish it was coming out sooner. It's coming out in March, but you can go to Amazon.com and check the book out. And we're going to have a, a great conversation with George today. And we'll also be bringing him back for part two of uh, the interview uh, here in October here, just a few weeks away. So, Advertising Show, Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth. Welcome. Being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. So, George Lois this week and uh, then again in October for his new book, and uh, what's not to love about that? Brad, what do you have there? Well, uh, in addition to the excitement about having George on, I wanted to mention to you, uh, and this is kind of strange, I guess, unless you're in the international circles of investment, Forbes has just announced that they're going to start publishing in Kazakh, uh, Kazakhstan, uh, a mm-hmm. Kazakhstan edition of its magazine later this year, a sign that the state's growing status in international investment circles is really happening over there. The Russian language magazine will be Forbes' third title in the former Soviet Union after Russia and great place for vodka, Ukraine. Really? So Kazakhstan, stand by. You're getting your own Forbes edition. I think that's nice. And, you know, I, I don't know what you think, but can you imagine the media salespeople out of Russia, Ukraine, and now Kazakhstan? <laughs> yeah, Talk really. about taking somebody to lunch for uh, a little bit of grease before they buy their, uh, <laughs> their ad. And I don't mean grease that goes on the food. I mean, like, you know, buy two ads, get one free. We're wheeling and dealing in Russia. Yeah, right. That yeah. sounds real interesting, yeah. folks. Uh, just this past uh, week, uh, we had, uh, of course, the 10th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, and uh, I saw some of the ads, obviously, throughout the weekend here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, basically, uh, let's see, Spike Lee uh, had the uh, State Farm ads, uh a Budweiser tribute spots as well. What did you think of those, Brad? Did you get a chance to catch You know, I didn't uh, – just hearing you say – and I didn't see it, so it's not fair. But when I hear you say Spike Lee and, and State Farm, I'm wondering what's the connection, what's the relativity. I understand insurance and so forth, but I just never would think Spike Lee as a spokesperson for, for State Farm Insurance. But, again, I haven't seen the spot. This is what they're calling it. So uh, uh, I, I didn't see that one either, actually. I, I did see the uh, – Oh, what else did I see? The Anheuser-Busch ad. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I saw uh, that. I thought it was good. And Verizon had an ad as well. Uh, I, I think it's really uh, kind of cool uh, that they took the time to do things like that. I yeah. think it's necessary, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that they uh, they did that as well. There was one that was apparently a 9-11 tribute ad for uh, Iger for mayor, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a video commemorating Walt Disney's $5 million contribution to the uh, September 11th Memorial and Museum. And basically what they're suggesting is, was this disguised as or, uh, you know, meant to be as well an, an entree for Iger for running from there? Hmm. Uh, that's kind of weird, actually. That is weird. So, I don't know. We've got uh, George Lois on the show today. 
And uh, Brad, did you have anything to add to this, or do we get to uh, Jeremy Cantor? What would you like to do? I would say, since we are going to do a little longer than normal show with George, we ought to get right to it. What do you think? Let's do it. Jeremy Kent here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Do not go anywhere. Tell your friends uh, to tune in as well, because this is going to be a great show. Hello and welcome to London for the European News Desk. Coming up this week, Greenpeace puts a bounty on Volkswagen, BA launches a teaser ad on Facebook, and Eurostar opens the way to London 2012. Environmental charity Greenpeace is asking filmmakers to produce a commercial that attacks Volkswagen's environmental record. Earlier this year, Greenpeace produced a parody of Volkswagen's Darth Vader TV spot and are now asking filmmakers to create a one-minute anti-Volkswagen video. The maker of the winning video will receive an $8,000 prize to either improve their entry or come up with another anti-Volkswagen ad that will be pushed out by Greenpeace activists around the world. The competition will be launched in London on 17 September and will run across the UK, Germany, France and Belgium. Greenpeace claimed that 370,000 people have joined its campaign against VW since the first spoof ad was shown. British Airways is about to launch its first brand campaign for two years and it's kicking off with the release of a teaser on Facebook. The 22nd film shows an early aviator pulling on his flying coat and gloves and heading out over the airfield towards an old biplane. Those watching the teaser are invited to set the premiere of the complete ad as a Facebook event. BA's new campaign will draw on five decades of the airline's role in aviation to restore staff pride and win back hearts and minds that may have defected to other carriers following last year's troubled industrial relations. And finally, Eurostar, the cross-channel rail operator, has adopted Opening the Way as its new tagline ahead of the London Olympics next year. Launching in October, the creative is expected to concentrate on the rail operator's role taking people under the English Channel to London and the Olympic Games. This is Jeremy Kent in London, Soho, for The Advertising Show. Welcome back to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. The legendary George Lois is our very special guest for... Uh, for this show, and we also have them for uh, for an encore show coming up uh, here in October as well. America's master communicator is George, the most creative, prolific advertising communicator in our time, running his own ad agencies, renowned for dozens of marketing miracles that triggered innovative and populist changes in America and the world culture. In his 20s, he was a pioneer of the landmark, uh, landmark creative revolution in American advertising. He introduced and popularized the Xerox culture. He created the concept and prototype uh, design for uh, the New York supplement for the Herald Tribune, the forerunner of uh, uh, New York Magazine. And it goes on and on and on. We'll talk about that as well. What we're talking to George about uh, today, uh, amongst other things, is a brand new book. And it's, it's great because it's time for a brand new book from George. This book is called Damn Good Advice for People with Talent. How to Unleash Your Creative Potential, and uh, it's, uh, it's a Fiden uh, publication. Damn Good Advice is the uh, culmination of a lifetime of iconoclastic and iconic thinking and teaching about the process of creativity in all phases of the graphic arts and indeed about uh, the, conduct, uh, the conduct of life itself. Time Magazine calls uh, Lois a media renaissance man. Huffington Post recently said, Many significant and great minds worship at the church of George Lois. And I'd suggest that uh, we're, we're, so we're in church today. I like that. Yeah, we're genuflect. 
Uh, I haven't been able to do that since I turned 50, okay? <laughs> and that mostly has to do with the fact that uh, Ray's circumcised, so he can do that if he needs to. I'm allowed to, yeah. How do, you, how do you know he's circumcised? Well, he yeah. told me that. Yeah, why do you... <laughs> he told me that before today's interview. And by the way, you've got him. two wonderful disciples uh, following the George <laughs> Lois uh, Church right here in Ray and Brad, so... Yeah, let's get, let's get off the circumcision stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a good thing. George, as always... <laughs> Well, what a pleasure. I, I've always been on the cutting edge. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah. George, uh, this book, Ray and I were discussing this book, and for those that are familiar with your previous books, they tend to think, in, I would imagine, in terms of the big, thick, uh, uh, what they call coffee table type books that are, you know, not only packed with wonderful visuals and the history of your. Uh, Esquire covers as the more recent, as well as other uh, wonderful topics that you've covered over the years. And Ray and I were talking before today's show about how this particular book, unlike the other books, Damn Good Advice is jam-packed with wonderful advice and wisdom that comes from your background. But more importantly, at 10 bucks, I can't imagine how anyone could afford not to get this book. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, I, I have I've done nine previous books, you know, and I'm very proud of all of them. And uh, but they they are, you know, you know sometimes uh, they're not cocktail table books; they're uh, they're cocktail tables, you know. <laughs> and, but what's exciting about this is that you know it's it, it, it the book is four and three quarters by seven, which is uh, just perfect for the hand. You know, it's a handful. Of, I think it's a handful of dynamite, and it's and it's. Ten bucks, which means that there's not a anybody. I think anybody can afford it, especially young people. You yeah. know, uh, that's what's really thrilling about it. Because I, all my books, I think, are teaching books, but nothing like this. Because I really dig in, and I sit there and I say, if I had a if I had a class with a million and a half kids in it, we go, what I te- what would I teach them? Day, you know, day in and day out. You know, from from one lesson to the other. And I worked very hard on it, and I have 125 lessons that go from the, from uh, you know from ex- from explaining the four types of person that you can be. You know, uh, you know, it's very funny. I started the, I started my first uh, the first spread. It says uh, there are only four types of person you can be. Identify yourself. I say one, very bright, industrious. You're perfect. Two, very bright, lazy. A damn shame. Hmm. You could be three stupid and lazy, which is okay because you'll, you'll just sit on your ass so you're wash. <laughs> but if you're four, stupid and industrious, boy, are you dangerous. Right, you right. <laughs> and, and what I have to say, if you're number one or two, you'll get a lot of a lot out of this book. If you're number three or four, why the hell are you reading this book? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, George, we want to remind everyone that uh, this book comes out in March of 2012, that they can pre-order this book at Amazon.com. Uh, and I'm sure if you do a search there at Amazon.com slash damn-good-advice-people-talent or just George Lois, I'm sure it'll come up. And we'll, we'll, we'll uh, post, uh, Ray and I were discussing before the show, we'll post a link on our website on where you can find that if you uh, go to uh, theadvertisingshow.com. George, let's jump into your book. We're going to have... Uh, we're going to cover selectively a handful of your chapters that you have written here. Sure. And we're going to start with Follow Your Bliss. Knowing you, I thought it was going to be Follow Your Ass, but that wouldn't—that <laughs> was actually a cleaner version that you said, Follow Your Bliss. Share with us your thoughts on that. You'd have to walk that. backwards. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's, um, 
it really uh, reflects on uh, Sinclair Lewis's novel, Babbitt. You know, uh, 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 Joseph Campbell, you know, who did those wonderful uh, things for PBS, uh, he, um, he was talking about Sinclair Lewis's novel, and he said, uh, he had said uh, I remember hearing it on TV, he said, remember the last line in the, in the book, Babbitt? The last line was Babbitt saying, I have never done a thing that I have wanted to do in my life. And, since, and Joseph Campbell said, that is a man who never followed his bliss. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I, that kind of became a, kind of an iconic line. And my, one of my first pieces of advice is kind of a no-brainer, but it's follow your bliss. I mean, try, if you're lucky like me, I discovered what my bliss was, was when I was a very young man, when I was drawing and designing from the time I was not five, seven, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. But what you have to, if you can, if you can identify that, that the thing that turns you on, the thing that gets you excited in life, the thing that, that thrills you, that, that sit there and worry about the money you're going to make, but what, what the thrill of, 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 of being involved in, 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 in doing something, you're the luckiest person in the world, you know? And, and, and so, so the first piece of advice, real advice, is follow your bliss. You know, Joseph Campbell's line is, um, is a really, uh, you know, a, a, thrilling, a thrilling idea, you know, very simply put. And, you know, I imagine a lot of people listening are in the advertising business, and if you don't love this business, you're not going to last long in it. And uh, uh, Yeah, you know, you got to understand that half the people in advertising hate advertising. Hmm. You know, I mean, what are you? You know, what are you? What are you doing? You know, you know. Yeah, at the same time, I mean, I don't think. I think most of the people who are electricians really love working, being electricians. You know, doctors really love being doctors. You know, I mean, you know, you know. I think if you could find a job that you can love. You know, you're, then you're not working. You, you know, you're just living a beautiful life. You know? yeah. yeah, well, I, and, and obviously your work and other successful people in many walks of life reflects. If you're good at what you do, chances are there's a love of what you're doing that's in there. George, a lot of people may not be familiar with, we are here at the show, about a book you wrote many years ago, one of your first books, George Be Careful. But it's uh, not only a great title, but it's something that came from... Uh, a dear family member of yours, isn't it? <laughs> right. Uh, well, I, I really uh, kind of nail, uh, you know, from the, from the beginning, I, I say it's my auntie's slogan, George, be careful, because I talk about the fact that when I was, a, when I was a six months old or so, I, and I say to people, I remember it well, and they look at me like I'm nuts, right? But I remember it well. It was a stormy, dark night, and, uh, and uh, there was thunder and lightning, and, and all of a sudden I looked up from my crib, and this gigantic white hand, you know, I realized years later that it was the hand of God, you know, Michelangelo's hand of God, and, and, he, and, I, heard, and I heard him, his, his, the, the voice of God say, George, be careful, and, uh, and, and my, my mother, you know, in Greek always said to me, George, be careful, and my father said, George, be careful, and my teachers in school said, George, be careful, and uh, the coaches were in, in all your sports, and then when I got, to, then when I was fighting in Korea, they say, George, be careful, but you know who really tells me to be careful? When, he, when I went into advertising and design, that's when everybody around you says, boy, George, be careful. In other words, you know, uh, don't do anything too edgy, et cetera, et cetera. And I say, um, in the act of creativity, being careful guarantees sameness and mediocrity. 
uh, which means your work will be invisible. So I say better to be reckless and careful, better to be bold and safe, better to have your work seen and remembered or you're struck out. So the name of the game, my anti-slogan is, is George, be careful. That's the last thing in the world I tell young people or anybody to be is careful. You got it to be, to, to, to do exciting, to, uh, you know, to you know, work that really knocks everybody on their ass, you've got to be on, on the edge and you've got to do exciting work that is not careful. You know, and George, you coined, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought if you didn't coin it, certainly you were living uh, and working in the time frame when the term was coined, and that was the big idea, a term that you hear sometimes today uh, about an idea that is such a big idea yeah, that I, it... I think I, I probably made it. I, I, I started saying that, believe it or not, when I was in my early 20s. You know, I, 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 everybody knows what the, the phrase, the big ideas have been around, but I yeah. always said, you know, I always do the big idea, capital T, capital B, capital I, you know, the big idea. And as far as I'm concerned, the, the big idea in advertising is uh, the big idea in advertising sears the virtues of a product into a viewer's brain and heart mm-hmm. uh, resulting in a sales explosion you know i mean it 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 it, it, it makes you understand the product so well that you got to run out and buy it you know um i i, I you know and so they call me mr big idea you know and um and I'm proud to be called Mr. Big Idea. What I don't, what I don't like being called is the original madman. That's what. That's what. <laughs> yeah. Be off. Well, we, and, we got that. You yeah. know, uh, and I get. I think the point there, uh, a point that may be missed uh, among young people, is George didn't say a medium size idea or a slightly <laughs> above average idea. George, it's got to be a, really a big idea, <laughs> right? <Exactly. Long-ish. laughs> XXL, right? Extra long, dude. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, too, in one of your chapters you talk about uh, all creativity should communicate in a nanosecond. And then I'm reminded of, uh, just not uh, too long ago, that Clear Channel came out with two-second spots they called blinks. Uh, And uh, I I think of that, but obviously your description of a nanosecond and the communication is a little bit more uh, deeper than that. What is that about? You know, like uh, I was at Yale last year, and I was looking at the work of a of a of, a, uh, of the whole school, the art school, and the teachers have very proudly shown me the twenty or thirty of the best things that that were done that year. And I'm looking at every one of them, and I, you know, it took me. It, it I mean, I'm still trying to figure out most of them. <laughs> you know, like what what did it say? What was it about? What was the subject matter? You know, I, it's amazing how, and, and I say that you look at something and, and it should knock you on your ass you immediately. Under, that doesn't mean when you get it that, that you don't think hard about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you should get, uh, you know, like the example I think I used in, in, my, in the book is I did an ad in 1960, uh, uh, you know, which was uh, at the time attacked by the establishment in advertising. You know, I did a black page in Life magazine and look, black page, completely black, and then in white type, you, in, in quote marks, you hear, you read, John, is that Billy coughing? And on the other side, it says, the, the, the man obviously is saying, get up and give him some cold in, mm. right? That was the complete ad, no logo, no pen, no, no nothing, no, and, and, you know, nothing, uh, no package design, no nothing, zero, that was it. You know, everybody looked 
that that thing, and they and, and this was pre, you know, you know, um, uh, you know, feminist, the feminism, you know, when when I was saying it like it is, you know, the woman says, "I try to stop Billy Crawford," he said, "Get the hell up and, and, and take care of him," you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. You know, you know the male chauvinist sons of bitches. And, and we're looking at a copy of the ad, and I think the point. Uh, it, but I, it shocked people when they saw it. Yeah, and and they were advertising uh, trade papers that attacked the ad and huh. said, "What what is going on with these with this?" Uh, this young person who's supposed to be a, a young genius doing it. it what, it's got no, it's got no body copy. It's got no package, packaging side. That's not advertising. You know what happened is their sales went up like two thousand percent. You know. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow, but the point is, you should be able to look at an ad. You should be able to look at, an ad, at anything you do, your logo type you do. You should be able to look at a magazine cover, and you should get it. If you don't get it, you know, I mean, who got time to spend one, two seconds on, on a second and a half on anything in this world? Yeah, yeah. absolutely right. You, you, I mentioned here. Don't expect a creative idea to pop out of your computer. Where should it pop out of, George? Uh, what's amazing, uh, you know, uh, and again, it, 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 in, in, in teaching kids, I, I teach classes sometimes, and afterward, I, I sit down with the kids, and I watch them uh, I, 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 so, go about their work, and I sit down with the kid, and, I, and the kid's working at his computer. I said, uh, listen, what are you working on? He said, well, I'm trying to do this and this. Okay, now what's the idea? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, you don't know? What, what are you looking at? I said, take a deep, you know, look deeply, deeply into the screen. There's nothing there. <laughs> you know, uh, the computer's a mindless speech machine producing tricks without substance, with the form, without relevant content, content without meaning. What you got to do is get an idea separately somewhere. Go inside, look in the, in the mirror, talk to yourself. You know, get a pad, get a pencil, do, or, or just stick your finger up your ass, you know, but come up with an idea. And then when you get the idea, then you got a great, great, great tool, because there's nothing great in working on, I mean, I can do, you know, when I, I work with my son Luke, we can do, uh, you know, what I used to do in one day, uh, you know, in, in two weeks, we could do in a couple of hours these yeah, days. Right. And, you know, uh, we see on programs today, news programs, uh, entertainment programs, they all want to talk about what's trending on Facebook, or what's trending on Twitter, or what's trending online, what are people searching for at Google. And it, many years ago, uh, if and still today, I think, when, when an advertiser, uh, or when an agency, I should say, vis-a-vis an advertiser, comes up with a wonderful campaign, a unique and novel idea, George, you know it's a hit when three, four, five of your competitors come out with a similar idea over the next, you know, the many... I just described before, you know, the, the black background with the cold and the John Stephanie yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About two dozen ads came up, came about that next year, all with black backgrounds that had nothing to do with nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the point is, uh, the, the real time uh, when trend, trend Talk comes about is, is uh, at the end of every year, you know, Newsweek is especially, you know, your newspapers call, call you up and they say, yeah, what do you think the trends in advertising will be in the coming year? <laughs> you know, and my answer is always, 
beast the shit out of me. I'll know it when I do it, you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what's the point? Why do you want to know, right? Yeah, of course. A trend is, I mean, a trend, I mean, it's a perfect, in fact, in the air, in, the, in my, uh, in, in the book, I, I show it, a trend is always a trap, and I got a rat trap there. <laughs> yeah, and you know, if you're looking at trends, uh, and there's nothing wrong with looking at trends, as long as you're looking at them to make sure and not do something that's trending, but actually look for the opposite, right? Sure, absolutely. You go to the opposite. You know, you know, you know. My, I think my last line and there's something like in any creative agency, the fact that others are moving in a certain direction is always too positive, at least to me, that a new direction is the only direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, one final question, and then we're going to take a quick break here, uh, George. Uh, You've been quoted as saying, why in the world would you want to just settle for being a creative thinker when you can be a cultural provocateur? Uh, so what do you mean by that, George? Sounds illegal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it probably is illegal. Yeah, you know. In some states. You know, I think, I think the job of anybody in any kind of in a commu- in, in, uh, in graphic communication, any kind of communication, is to be um, is to not only be uh, 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 to understand the culture, but but is to be a, literally ahead of the culture, and even more importantly, to help change the culture. And I and I think I've done that with a lot of ad campaigns. I've done I've done it with a lot of uh, 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 you know magazine covers. I've done you know you got Muhammad Ali. You know everybody in America hates him because he uh, he changes the religion. You know he uh, he, uh, uh, he, uh, he 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 went from being a Christian to a Muslim, and then he uh, wasn't fighting in that stupid war, that stupid Vietnam War. And uh, and uh, and uh, he uh, he becomes a uh, you know a, a hated man. And I do a cover where I show him as a as a martyr, as Saint Sebastian. You know, um, and a cover, a, a magazine cover like that, literally helped change America's mind about the guy. You know, and and help, and that's being a cultural provocateur. I mean, I think you, anybody with real talent in any creative industry should be using that talent not only to sell product, etc. But every chance you get, you should do things that you can help. You know, that you can help. You know, talk truth to power. Wonderful, George Lois on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. The book is called "The New Book." is called "Damn Good Advice for People with Talent: How to Unleash Your Creative Potential" by America's Master Communicator, George Lois. We uh, will continue our conversation here in just a moment. Stay right here. We know you will. The book is called Damn Good Advice for People with Talent, How to Unleash Your Creative Potential by America's Master Communicator, uh, George Lois, in a passionate, punchy, and pungent writing style, uh, demonstrates and ultimately teaches us to discover our creative potential. Uh, Breakthrough thinking, his words continue to inspire through every stage of the creative process. This is a great book, George. So nice to have you on the show, and thanks for being here. Uh, we have, uh, uh, this is uh, from one of the chapters, it says, you can never learn anything from a mistake. And boy, is that a phrase that's overused. Uh, tell well, i got to tell you, you know, uh, that kind of shocks people when you hear Everybody says, well, you know, that's how you learn things in this world. You make a mistake, you figure out what you did wrong, and then and you make sure you don't uh, make that mistake again. I say it's 
bullshit. I say <laughs> when you're when you're in the area of creativity, um, you know, um, and you come up with something exciting and dramatic and, and or, you know, and, and 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 on the cutting edge, etc., etc., etc. If somehow it fails, and there's a lot of times things fail, but not because it wasn't a, a big idea, but because there was extenuating circumstances, marketing things, etc. What it normally does, it what a, what a, what a failure like that does is. It's supposed to give you pause. It shakes you up. It humbles you. Well, you know, if you're a humble, if you're a humble person and you sit there and you think, "Oh my God, I made a mistake," you'll be a failure the rest of your life. You know, you 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 know you you have to continue to be a fearless, creative thinker. And you and you should go. And I, I my think my my last line is, you know, onward and upward, and never give your failures a second thought. Do not sit there and think about your failures. You may have had some, but forget about it. You know, uh, George, I think it's unique to advertising and maybe a few other fields. If you are a professional advertising person that's responsible for creating uh, advertising that's going to drive customers to a client's place of business and purchase their products or services, we in this business aren't given opportunities to have failures. They'll find somebody else that can, you know, hit it out of the park every time. And and there are not a lot of fields, I guess, that are, are like that. Other fields, you can make a mistake and learn from it and pick yourself up. But you're spending millions of dollars of your client's money, and they're depending on you to make it happen. If you learn something from a failure... What, what it means is the next time you do uh, something for somebody else, if you come up with a really exciting idea, you'll say, oh, I better not do that. I better, I better pull back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you're, and, and, and you're going to be a failure. I see. You lose your confidence is what After you're You lose saying. your confidence. You lose, your, 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 you lose everything that's, that's great about being uh, doing great work you have to be you, you have to be adventurous you have to be you, you have to be uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know you have to be innovative you have to be entertaining you have to be shocking or what I call I don't call it shocking I call it seat I call advertising and anything you do in graphic art and graphic design you have to be uh, you have to do work that's that's um, that's uh, seemingly outrageous when you look at it you think it's outrageous and then you realize it's on the nose you know, we talked about the big idea earlier last segment, and you know, you, you've you've been a big uh, promoter of driving a big idea to the very edge. But you've also said that there is a point in time where you can go off the cliff if you go too far. Talk a little bit about that, George. Well, I mean, uh, it, you know, it, it's it, you know, you have to break down everything you do. But the point is. You can come up with what you think is a big idea, but the execution of it should be done so that you bring it to the very edge. You know, it's got to be bought so it's so guy, so it's so memorable, so it's so it's uh, that it's, it's so dramatic that uh, you know that it explodes. You know, and what usually happens is there are a lot of people who might have come up with things that you could consider big ideas, but they but they don't um, execute them in an exciting, dramatic way. They 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 they, they pull back. You know, because they think it, they've gone too far. You know, um, and, and what I say is, um, is you got to drive your idea to the very edge of the cliff. But if you go to too far, it's a fiery death. Well, I'd rather have a fiery death once in a while, you know, once every ten years, than than, than every one of my my jobs being dead in the water. Yeah. 
It sounds like you've, uh, if you don't do that, you've already died a fiery death, Absolutely. so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, what you, you, know, you want to do thrilling work, that, uh, you want to do, but you want to do work that really seemingly shocks, you know, you know, uh, that, that really uh, that people look at and are surprised as hell, and, and that, and, and, and uh, when they go to work the next morning, they, uh, they talk about it, you know, when they're having coffee, you know? George, explain what you mean by the ultimate act of scholarship and theater in the art of selling. What is well, that all about? The, the, the great example that I've always been filled with was uh, uh, the great art dealer, Lord Duveen, uh, you know, the English, uh, English art dealer, uh, who was uh, selling you know, the great masterpieces of the world. And he couldn't get, he couldn't get anywhere with J.P. Morgan, who was the richest collector of the 20th century. And... Um, and and he finally wangles an invitation to to to, to go to J P Morgan's home, and he gets to Morgan's home, and he rings the bell, and they open the door, and there's Morgan waiting for him, and Morgan doesn't say hello, he just points, he just says the Lord, and just points to. Uh, uh, three uh, Ming vases, big, beautiful 16th-century Ming vases, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he, and he says to Devine, "Here are three. They're, they're, here's here's five vases. Three of these are authentic Ming vases, and two of the five are exact copies. It cost me a fortune to have made. Examine them carefully and tell me which two are the fakes." And Devine, without blinking an eyelash, walks over to them. He's a very dandyish guy. He walks over to them. He, had a, he always carried a cane, lifted his cane, and smashed two of the vases to smithereens. Crash, crash. Um, and from that moment, every painting and art object that J.P. Morgan collected until he died, hmm. he bought from, uh, from, from Devine. Hmm. I mean, that to me is the ultimate act of scholarship. He knew exactly which two were the fakes, which is stunning, without almost even examining them. And it's a scholarship and theater in the art of selling. Mm. And I tell everybody in, in create, in, involved in the creative act, doing anything in any industry, if I don't care how great, great you are, if you can't sell, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah. You have to be able to know, learn how to sell. And, 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 the mo- and, I, and I use this as the most dramatic example because you've got to know your stuff, like, like Devine, but, and you've got to really show the people you're talking to that, that you really know your stuff. And to do it with drama, as, as he did. If, and uh, to yeah. do it with such... I, I, I mean, I, I, I imagine that event that he <laughs> lifted his cane and he smashed two of the vases. Yeah. J.P. Morgan must have shit. You could never know? forget that. I mean, yeah. And he got it. And he did, because from then on, everything J.P. Morgan bought, he bought from Devine. Hmm. You know, uh, Ray and I were discussing before the interview today one of your chapters. And by the way, before we wrap up the show with this final question, your book has wonderful graphics supporting all of these uh, concepts that we're talking about today. And at $10, if you're new or old to this business, it's an interesting read. But if you're under the age of 30, you have no excuse to uh, not buy $10 worth of of uh, wisdom and, and advice from uh, legendary George Lois. But we've all sat in meetings, George. Uh, Ray and I were discussing before today's interview. And we've heard after we get our 
uh, you know, our presentation out there, and we realize we've got, you know, everybody nodding their head vertically up and down. We've, we're getting the buy-in of the CEO, the CMO. Everybody's, uh, you know, on board, and there's always one, I'll just say person. I'd like to have an ad- 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 adjective for that. <laughs> Thank you uh, to precede that, but I'm not right. going to. But there's always one in the room that is the contrarian that's going to say, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. And you usually say what to that? Uh, First of all, they should go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. I mean, and you know what, Brad and Ray, there is one in every room. Yeah. I mean, if you got enough people in there, there's one that you, you've got to identify. That you got. You, sometimes I go in there and I say, and, I, and there's a meeting where maybe you're talking to 12 people, and I, I say, I, I look it over and I say, I, I got to identify the asshole who's going to say that, you know. And you kind of smell it out when you when you when you look at the dumb look in their eyes, you know. But that's, I mean, that is such a fake way to uh, to critique anything, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, I, there's nothing wrong with criticism and nothing wrong with giving your opinion about something. But, but let me play devil's advocate. What the hell does that mean, you know? Uh, and those are, that, that, that's, those are dangerous people. I say, and people say, well, you got to handle those guys. And, you know, I really go, I, I rip their eyeballs out when they say that. <laughs> you know, and there's one, uh, you're right, there's one in every room. And, and uh, I don't really, they're usually trying to make themselves look smart to the boss and they're really yeah of course you know the guy's not not passionate or not he's not being he's not really serious about the about what he's what he's talking about you know he's he's bullshitting and he's, and he's playing up to the boss you know he's, he wants yeah. to look good to the boss and any boss who falls for somebody in his in his gang who says I'd like to play devil's advocate and just should suck at the guy and should throw him out the window <laughs> well, well let's let's set him aside for a moment ask one final question and by the way if you like what you hear next month we're going to repart, uh, re, uh, we're going to have part two of the of this same uh, of not this same but of the continuation of today's topic uh, on damn good advice by George Lois but just as we wrap up here because I think it relates to what we're talking about not not the devil's advocate but the client uh, the client has a, a point or two and and uh, maybe uh, gives a little bit of an objection to what you're doing and we've all sat in meetings such as that and yet what you would need to do to accommodate your client is not going to compromise your work uh, and it's going to be uh, compromising to your client but yet not compromising to your message and you suggest that that's not necessarily a bad thing um, yeah well you know sometimes um, uh, I, I always I, I say you know I, I have one thing in the book that talks about you should never back down when a client is screwing up your work you know uh, but I and my and I say, but that doesn't mean you can't be accommodating. And, and I tell a story about when I was doing an ad for um, for uh, Ronson Electric Shavers and, and the uh, and the, uh, the the show Louis Anderson was uh, a terrific guy, but kind of a pain in the ass, and he was very argumentative. And I was working on this on an ad which turned out to be a great ad for about oh my god, a couple of months. It was driving me crazy. It was a two page ad, and then finally. Uh, he said, okay, I, I, I kind of changed it two or three times, and, 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 uh, not to hurt the work, but it, it, it still was terrific the, the way I had it. And finally he said, uh, okay, I was about to go to press with it, and he said, um, gee, George, I wonder how this would look in two, I wonder how this two-page ad would look in, in one page. <laughs> and so I ripped it in half, and I held them both up with my 
two, two hands. <laughs> and um, he wasn't abused, but he ran the end. It was a winner, you know. <laughs> he got uh, the point. <laughs> yeah, he got the point. And, you know, enough is enough, you know. I mean, so you don't have to say words sometimes. Sometimes a guy says, you know, how would look? How would a two-page ad look like a one-page? And I rip it in half. And that was, that was your version of bre- breaking the two vases. <laughs> yeah, I, without saying one word, the guy, I, I was saying to him, hey, schmuck. Uh, George Lois, our guest here on the Advertising Show. The book uh, on Fiden uh, will be available in March, but you can go to Amazon now and look at it. Damn Good Advice for People with Talent, How to Unleash Your Creative Potential by America's Master Communicator, George Lois. You're going to hear more in our part two of this interview here on the Advertising Show. We know you'll love that, too, as well. Thanks for listening. George, thanks again for being a part of today's show. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Brad. Love you both. Love you, too, George. The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. And just a reminder, part two of our interview with George Lois will be coming up on October the 16th here at theadvertisingshow.com. Thanks again for listening. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.